Hello and welcome to the latest Mouth of the Time podcast. I'm Jordan Cronin. As ever, I'm joined by Liam Kennedy to talk all things black and white. The party poppers are out, not for any takeover mind, but because Newcastle are officially safe from relegation with five games to spare. Something that hasn't happened very often under Mike Ashley. But before we look ahead to the final weeks of the restart, we'll quickly discuss yesterday's 2-2 draw with West Ham. It was a result that brought mixed reaction, some happy, some not. But Liam, where do you stand on a, uh, on the result against a team you know that are fighting for their lives at the moment? I think I don't really think it matters too much, to be honest. I think uh, I think it was a decent game for a neutral. Um, it wasn't really a game for the defenders. Uh, it's hard to get excited on, and, and about the games at the moment. It's hard to get um, worked up. A lot of people online seem to get very worked up about certain things about the game yesterday. But for me, Newcastle United have done enough to steal, which unfortunately in Mike Ashley's Newcastle United, that is the expectation. Um, so I do think I'm, I'm quite positive, to be honest, because if you told me that with five games left, we would have a 16-point cushion to third bottom um, the day that Rafa Benitez left or the day that Steve Bruce got the job or any day in between when there was that period of massive uncertainty when no players were signed, the team was getting taken by the likes of Neil Redfern and Ben Dawson. So if you'd have told me there were five games left, there was a 16-point cushion, I would have absolutely snapped your hand off, probably took your arm as well. Um, so the game yesterday for me is, is almost... Um, inconsequential they've done the business they've done exactly what they need to do and then obviously we'll, we'll jump straight on a man city and just going off a piece that you wrote uh, yesterday from your uh, seven takeaways from the game arrest for saint maximum almiron and, and joe Linton, do you reckon Jenk, that's a good opportunity to to rest players like that 100 percent um no team and no fan particularly wants to sort of give a game away but really does it is it going to really matter um I would, I would potentially rest all three. St Maxim has done the business. He's produced the goods in the games that guarantee Newcastle safety. I think he's earned a rest. Almiron, very similar. He's come back scoring goals, um, which he was doing beforehand, to be fair. I think he's got eight, eight goals since since the end of December. So he's in great form at the moment. And Joe Linton, for me, he's, um, he's, he's been very poor this season. If you look at his goals, Tally, uh, and his overall contribution, I do not argue that point. That is not... Um, that is not up for argument here. But I think it is also very fair to say when a lad is putting 100% in and when he's showing steady signs of improvement and being able to uh, give value to the team, because I think when Dwight Gill pays up front, who's a proper centre-forward, I do think Joe Linton, with his size, um, he's really awkward to play against for any full-back and defender. I do think he can. He has got a place in his side and he is adding value, despite the fact that many people have obviously already made their mind up, and I get that. Um but really, he's not a £40 million striker. But to me now, how much we paid for Joe Linton is irrelevant. Um, he's actually better than he was before Christmas. And that's all you can ask of him. He's steadily improving. Is he a £40 million striker? As I've said, no. Of course he isn't. He's nowhere near. But we've got him now. So what we're paid is irrelevant in many ways. Um, and to me, he was OK yesterday. He was decent. He's a right handful. He was holding the ball up. He was actually, when the ball was getting pinged up to him, he was bringing players into play. And I think... Um, You'll find that for both goals, um, the moves which created them started with Joe Linton. So to me, that's all you can ask of a player playing in his position. And I think the slightly more withdrawn roles taking the pressure off him. And he looks like a lad who's playing with a little bit more confidence now. So for me, um, I can't complain. Um, give him criticism when it's due, but not not at the moment, not for me. 
Do you think there's a case to, to start playing him on the wing? Because uh, obviously we, we've seen that he did start yesterday and as he rightly pointed out, he did play a, a big part in two of the goals, but it also sounds a bit daft to think that you've paid £40 million for a for a winger. So where do you see Joe Linton's future now? Do, can you see it sort of varying between each, maybe just switching in between striker and on the wing? Yeah, I think he can uh, perform any of the roles and I think um, United's strongest team at the moment has Joe Linton in it still. Um, and I think he interchanges quite well from the right to the left with St Maximin. Um, it allows um, St Maximin time and space to to drift in and out. Almiron will fill in in certain positions as well. And I think they all bring something different to the party. Um, and I think that can be quite difficult for defenders to settle against because one minute, <clears throat> if you're the fullback, one minute you're playing against a quick, tricky winger who's wanting to go at you and go at you and go at you. <clears throat> then the next um, within five minutes, they've switched wings and all of a sudden you've got a direct runner um, in Almiron who causes you problems on both sides, inside and out. And then you've got uh, five minutes later, you might well have a big lump of a striker who's, who, sorry, that sounds really detrimental, but it isn't. A real, uh, a real big, strong, physical centre forward. Yes, of course, he's not scoring goals, but he'll just give you something totally different. And, and for a fullback, um, that would be a nightmare to me, having to having to sort of uh, adjust your game constantly throughout a game. Throughout a game, and I think that's worked quite well for United in the last few few weeks. Um, and I think with Dwight Gale, who lacks the presence of a, of a proper hold up man, I think he adds height and physicality in the forward areas, um, and everybody sort of bringing their own little bit of um, influence to the game. I, I like the four. I like the four up front. I think it works. All of them interchange and work quite well. Um, obviously, uh, in time you would want to upgrade on quite a few of those, but the way we are at the moment, I think I think they've they've played really well, and Joe Linton's been a massive part of that. And then just and moving forward, obviously give Steve Bruce an opportunity to perhaps look at some players that haven't been given been given a chance, and in that sense, it includes the the three loan players that we got in January: Valentino Lazaro, Danny Rose, Nabil Bentaleb. Liam, do you expect to see them feature more over the coming weeks and potentially get a future, well, a permanent future at St James's Park? They absolutely have to. They have to be given an opportunity. Um, to me, what was the point in bringing them in on loan? Um, if you're not going to at least give them a chance to see if there's a footballer there, especially when Newcastle United are, are safe now, there is no excuse not to play Ben Taleb for at least, start him at least three or four of the five games that are remaining. I would say the same with Lazaro. I would like to see him start them all, depending obviously on his fitness levels. Um, and again, for Danny Rose, I, I kind of feel with Danny Rose, we're starting to see um, a little bit more of the player than he really is. And we all kind of know that he is. Um, and I'd like to see a little bit more. The same for Lazaro. Every time we've seen a flash of something, it was a very small flash in the West Brom game, which he scored. And then we didn't really get an opportunity to see him much after that. Then again, um, Bournemouth, there was an even bigger flash. It looked like, right, there could be a player on my hands here. Um, and then again, we just got 20-odd minutes of him yesterday. Um, and to me, I, I want to see him start games. I want to see him given the opportunity influence. I'm not saying these players are going to influence games or earn permanent deals. But I want to see them given the opportunity, especially now there is no pressure. Yes, everyone's talking about, oh, there's a European spot here, there and everywhere. But it might it'll go down to the eighth this season. We've discussed it on this pod before. Um, realistically, the way the weekend results went, that gap, um, despite Newcastle picking up a point, edged a further point away from them. It's now five points. And to me, five points in five games is too much. 
um, to catch up, especially when there's a lot of teams in form. Um, the likes of Everton might make a late charge. Newcastle could, they're one of the form sides of the division. But I think you probably find someone like a Tottenham will probably get that wrapped up. Or even Sheffield United, you never know, because they showed um, at the weekend that they're, they're not a done force as we maybe thought they were. And just in terms of the, the final weeks of the season, uh, Newcastle obviously got Tottenham, Liverpool, Manchester City to play. Can you realistically see Newcastle grabbing a top 10 place? Not for me. No, I, I don't think they will. Um, and that's nothing against them. I just think I just think that's going to be difficult. Um, how many points could I see them getting out of those five games? Um, if Newcastle probably got another four or five out of the last five games, point per game, you wouldn't really complain too much. Um, so I think I think that'll probably be the way it goes. Another one more win and probably another couple of draws and a couple of defeats. I think everyone would kind of take that because you'll probably end up writing off Man City and Liverpool as a given. Um, and then you're expecting a win from one of the other three. Uh, I could see them doing that, definitely, because they've still got Brighton and Watford both away games. And then um, obviously Tottenham's always a good game. Um, Newcastle tend to give them a right good game, home or away, and we obviously beat them earlier this season. Um, so I could see another five points from the last games, but that's not going to be enough to to get you into the top half, I would suspect. And it's certainly not going to be enough to get you an eighth place finish, which if uh, if uh, it's upheld Man City's ban, then that, that would be where the Europa League spots and given the FA Cup runs and likely winners that where the Europa League spot would drop to. Um, but I just think it's probably a bridge too far for Newcastle United. This run's probably come four or five games too late for them, really. We'll see what happens with the top 10 finish, but again, I'll, I think it's probably unlikely myself but if Newcastle ought to finish say 13th 12th is that a successful season for you in terms of what the regime expect and what Steve Bruce can do as a manager to me yeah yeah it's a it is a positive finish um because like I say I expected them to be really really struggling I expected them to be right down there um so if you were to say 12th or 13th the season will be would you have taken that at the start? Yes, I guess I would have snapped your hand off. So we can't complain too much. Um, they've had a decent run in the cup. It's a shame they surrendered it the way they did. But I'm sure Steve Bruce, if he had his time again, wouldn't do the same again. Um, and I think I think this season, should they finish 12th or 13th, is never going to be a success. Um, because as fans uh, and as writers and, and as a football club, we need to be more ambitious than that. But this isn't about uh, our our ambition isn't being questioned by saying it's a, a success. And um, what is really being questioned in that regard is is Mike Ashley's ambitions and his. It's 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 pathetic to even say Mike Ashley and ambition in the same sentence because um, he has absolutely none when it comes to Newcastle United and never has. So, but if using that as a as a benchmark, then yes, this has to be regarded as a success, especially when you're looking at it from the regime's perspective, because all they want is 17th. Um, and if they finish 17th every year and the Premier League money continues to roll in, Newcastle United takes over, uh, White Minutes own nose, and Mike Ashley's a happy man. So fingers crossed, we'll not see much more of that. Yes, let's hope that change is indeed on the horizon. Yeah, I've lost count how many times I've said that over the last few weeks, but they do say good things come to those who wait. And let's hope that's the case when it comes to the Newcastle United takeover uh, whenever the Premier League do decide to announce their decision. Mouth of the Time podcast should be back later on the week when uh, we discuss the fallout from the Manchester City game. But in the meantime, 
Uh, you can tune into our Shields Gazette website for the latest Newcastle United news and follow this podcast on Twitter at Mouth of Time Pod. Yes, fingers crossed their change is indeed on the horizon, but I think we've all lost count of how many times we've, uh, we've said that on this podcast over the last few weeks. But they do say that good things come to those who wait. So let's hope that's the case on the Newcastle United takeover front whenever the, the Premier League decide to make their final decision. But in the meantime, you can tune into the Shields Gazette for your latest Newcastle United news and follow this podcast on Twitter at Mouth of Time.